It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calajaran. It's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week television channel. That's right. You can check it out on all of the major streaming devices. Uh, just go to Ginico USA. That's G-I-N-I-K-O USA.com and uh, find out all the uh, platforms we're on uh, as well as signing up for your free, yes, I said free, I said free account. Uh, check out uh, all the shows. We've been doing this show for 15 years, uh, but uh, this channel features all of the other specials that we've done, fights I've called, uh, other uh, specials like our uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited, our Blast from the Past, all of this stuff, some things you've probably never seen, roundtable discussions, uh, live video uh, from all over the place. So uh, make sure you check it out, com, or just visit our website, com. And click on one of the scrolling banners. You can't miss it. It's huge. It's got me frowning. It's got me frowning. Click that one. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Better on the Planet. It's available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this very show, just visit BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. All right, today's show, uh, we're going to have uh, Alex Papali join us a little bit later, as well as Dax Khan. Uh, we got uh, a bunch of stuff scheduled. Um, here's the thing. We are going to talk about uh, the uh, fights from the past weekend, like we always do, uh, giving you uh, our thoughts uh, on uh, the bigger fights. Um, but uh, we're also going to talk a lot about the heavyweight division, and specifically the top three heavyweights in the division, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, and um, Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, we were hoping to see a rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. We already know that Anthony Joshua was fighting that big fat pig uh, bum, uh, Jarrell Baby Miller. Um, but my question today is, will those three ever fight each other? Will they put the political part of the sport aside because they, they can't deny the amount of money that they can make for fighting any mixture of the three uh, fighting either one of themselves. Uh, that didn't sound right. Either one of each other's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that would certainly help. But first, let's kick off the show with some fights that took place over this weekend. Uh, first and foremost, in my opinion, the best fight and uh, the most substantial uh, in the super middleweight division, Chris Eubank Jr. scored a 12-round unanimous decision over uh, James DeGal, 
Uh, Eubank improves to 28-2 with 21 knockouts. DeGal, uh, he drops to uh, 25 wins, three losses, and a draw with 15 of his wins uh, coming by knockout. The vacant IBO title was on uh, the uh, – uh, was was vacant and it was on the line uh, for this fight uh, that took place at the O2 Arena. The way the judges scored it, 114-112, all in favor of Chris Eubank. Um, I, listen, I, I thought that this fight was nowhere near uh, as close as uh, 114-112. If you want uh, to go to 115-112, uh, that's fine. Uh, you got to keep in mind, Eubank was deducted a point for uh, slamming DeGale to the canvas uh, in uh, round in the seventh round. Uh, but uh, I think Eubank won the fight. I don't think there was anything uh, to even come close to arguing. Um, I will say this about Chris Eubank. This was a fighter that I did not think was that uh, polished. But he looked really good last night. I think if he learns to use his jab more, um, he finally uh, learned how to throw his right hand correctly. He did mix it up with some jabs and some hooks uh, with his left. But I think if this guy goes back to the gym, especially after a win like this, and works on his jab, his jab will set up that right hand. All of a sudden, he seems like he's got uh, a little extra pop uh, in his right, uh, which will definitely help uh, Chris Eubank Jr. As far as James DeGal. He might be done. He's been in some big fights, big wars. Uh, joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. Um, I uh, I think James DeGal very well may be uh, finished. What do you think? Well, he's been around a long time, and as you said, you know, sometimes a fighter's career is is, is more based on the wars he's been in how much uh how much he's sustained over the course of uh uh the fights and uh you know uh it only takes one fight to change a fighter and uh one one bad night and uh who knows i i i you know me i can't make that decision or say he's definitely done he it's got to be from his heart and see what he feels but uh i mean the bottom line is yeah i, I gave you bank the win and uh i think that uh the Gaul's got uh, got some some work to do in the gym, and he's got to reassess and see what the heck direction he's going to take. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he took a beating. You know, yeah. um, the power shots that Chris uh, Eubank Jr. was landed was clearly doing uh, some damage. You know, I, I don't know if he was looking for one shot, if he thought that uh, Eubank was going to run out of gas or or what, but. I think based on, on some of the wars that the guy's been in, I mean, when you look at his resume, Sal, um, you know, his, his last 10 fights were all against top uh, fighters, many of them uh, throwing bombs. Uh, his fight against his draw that he had against uh, Badu Jack, that was a back-and-forth battle. Uh, I think it finally caught up on him. I mean, he's not he's only 33 years old, um, you know, but, uh, but he's been in some tough fights. I uh, I, I'm not so sure where you know where he would stand. I mean, the division that he's in, they're big guys. They hit hard. I think the accumulative uh, damage that takes place from those power shots. I think it shows. I, I to personally, and no discredit to Chris Eubank Jr. because I thought he fought very well. 
But I think the gal is uh, is is close to being finished, at least in my opinion. You know, for the safety of him and his future. Well, and, and that's the big assessment, and that's what no fighter really wants to, you know, sit down and, and look at because it, it it is. You know, your 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 heart, your soul, your mind, your passion, your life has been based on these moments, on, on these few short years that you could show the world what you're going to do. But as you as we were saying, it only takes one fight one bad fight or one bad shot and uh you know your your brain is uh you know on the downward slope it just uh it's just that delicate that fragile and uh who knows i like you said it could be any one of the wars or cumulative wars and you know is he all right today sure he's all right today is he going to be all right next week yes you're going to be all right next week is he going to be all right next month yes but who knows what's going to happen next year the year after that you know, if there's a degenerative uh, uh, syndrome that uh, the brain cells start dying off, and uh, you know, those are irreversible. And uh, you know, that that again is the prize worth the price. You know, he's got to call that shot. He's got to assess it where he is. You made some great points. He's in a competitive division. They do bang a little bit harder there, and. Uh, what fights are are right around the corner for him to get in a position for a title fight? I I don't know, but uh, like I said, I think I think it's a good sit down with this team to really assess what direction they want to move in. Well, you know, it's not even what's available. What seems to me with these, uh, uh, well, I, well, I'll move on. Let, let me move on. We'll get back to that a little bit later. Yes. Also, also on that card, um, 2016 Olympic silver medalist. And an unbeaten heavyweight, Joe Joyce, fought uh, Bermaine Stavern. Now, Stavern, you know, we all, most boxing people uh, that are in the know, all all were fooled by Bermaine Stavern. I mean, we thought he was a talented fighter. Deontay Wilder beats him for the title. You know, everybody knows my thoughts on Wilder. But I think the victory, Wilder certainly has gotten better since he beat Bermain Stavern uh, for the title. But I think we learned that Stavern was was nothing. Um, you know, uh, not only did he lose the title to Deontay Wilder, but he got blown out in a rematch. Um, he fought this kid, uh, Joe Joyce, uh, last night uh, as the co-main event. And Joe Joyce uh, stopped him. Uh, via a six-round stoppage. It was stopped by the referee at 2 minutes and 20 uh, seconds of the sixth round. Joe Joyce improved to 8-0 with eight knockouts. Stavern, who came in at a 273 pounds, he fought... Um, he he, he definitely, definitely didn't lay down, but he also showed that his skill set is just not there. He's a punching bag, okay? Now, that is what it is. My point really falls on Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce is a heavyweight that they got a lot of, um, you know, hopes for. And, and by the way, Sal, um, in case you thought that we had too many uh, belts, you can thank the WBA, the, the home of the regular title, and the home, uh, the home of the regular world title, and the home of the super world title, uh, is now the home of the gold world title. And um, Joe Joyce won the WBA's gold gold. Uh, world title uh, last night, and now he's in line to fight 
uh, for the WBA's regular world title against the regular world champion, Manuel Char. Now, if you remember, Manuel Char uh, was supposed to fight Fred Quendo, who's 75 years old today, and he finally didn't sign the contract. This was a fight that was guaranteed to Fred Quendo uh, four years ago for oh I, I think it might even be five years ago so um my point after all this rambling sal is simply this joe joyce looks like a really good prospect but in my opinion no way is he ready for any of these top level heavyweights um i, I think a, a victory over 273 pound uh you know nothing special 200 273 pound nothing special um uh, Bermain Stavern, who was a punching bag, does not set him up for uh, for the top dogs in the division. No, no. And, and, and you know, that new gold belt, it sounds more like a pro-am belt, uh, which is going to be something we, we will probably see one day. But uh, it, uh, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. Watch the bouncing belt. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty ridiculous. And at the end of the fight, Joe Joyce uh, said, "Big things are coming. Uh, my next one's going to be for the regular WBA title. I'll be back in the gym. Uh, I have to have a couple more fights like this, and I'll be ready for the big champions." Um, you know, w- what does that say in itself about there. about the WBA's world regular world title holder? Uh, Manuel Char. He's fighting him next, and then after a few more fights, he'll be ready for the real champions. He's his own words. Um, also on that card, uh, Lee Selby improved to twenty-seven and two uh, when uh, he came back uh, at a uh, at at the uh, lightweight division rather than uh, his uh, championship days as a featherweight. Won a twelve-round unanimous decision over uh, Omar Douglas. Douglas drops to nineteen and three. One sixteen, one twelve twice. One fifteen, one fourteen was the verdict. Here's a case where uh, Omar Douglas seemed to be landing the harder punches throughout the fight. Um, and Lee Selby threw uh, more punches and won, in my opinion, a, a, a close fight as the 115-114 score indicates. I know 116-112 only uh, changes one round, but I thought that Omar Douglas deserved uh, a couple of those rounds where he clearly landed uh, the harder punches, Sal. Well, I think uh, I think you're right. It was a good assessment, and uh, I'll tell you, it's um, it's it's uh, we 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 saw quite a few fights last night. I'll tell you, they were and they're all over the channels. Well, all over the spectrum. No wait, that would no wait because there's more. Because oh, wow. later in the night, uh, as in true fashion, which uh, always is synonymous with the Durrell brothers, uh, once again we saw drama. Uh, uh, Anthony Jarrell, former uh, uh, champion, was fighting for the vacant WBC super middleweight title against uh, Anvi Yildrum. Yildrum going into the fight was once beaten. Andre uh, Durrell uh, was also once beaten with a draw. Now, in my opinion, this was an extremely close fight. Once again, you have to look at the way judges score the fight. And I say that because uh, it seemed to me that Yildirim was landing the much harder punches. Durrell was fighting in spurts, but he was more accurate. Um, but but here's, here's the thing. As this fight progressed, 
the momentum started to switch to yield room. So even if you're paying attention to the punches landed, punches thrown, the numbers started evening up. And it was indicative of the way, in my opinion, Andre Durrell, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Anthony Durrell started to look. Now, there was a cut that was uh, caused initially by a headbutt that got really uh, opened up. But the thing was is that it was totally under control. And it just seemed to me as Anthony Durrell started to fade, next thing you know, the doctor is stopping this fight. And at the time uh, of the stoppage, the scores were 96-94 twice for Durrell and 98-92 for Yildirim. Um, I thought that the fight was even uh, at the point of the stoppage, uh, but I could certainly see where uh, the aggressiveness and the power punches that Yildirim was giving, that he did have an edge. I didn't like the way this fight ended, and it always seems like there's something, some kind of BS that goes on when a fighter involved in the fight's last name uh, is Durrell. One other thing that bothered me, Sal, is they were talking about this fight, and they were talking about uh, Anthony Durrell, and they were saying, you know, they were making a comment during the fight of how he didn't seem like he was into it, that his mind was elsewhere. And the announcer says, yeah, well, you know, he was saying to us before the fight, he was actually uh, thinking about how he's missing his son's basketball game and how uh, he's really missing out uh, on all the activities that his son is doing, you know, during his daily routine. And I couldn't help but say to myself, you know, all of us, unfortunately, in life, miss certain events especially our children growing up and some of the events that they have because we have to do what do they call that sal um oh work for a living yeah and and andre durrell and anthony durrell because i'm talking about anthony here he's no different his choice of of profession is a professional boxer and assuming that this guy is in in the gym every day not just in between fights that's his job. I, I I don't know, man. I thought that that was a lame excuse for him. Your thoughts, please. Well, of course it is. I mean, you know, it, it's a matter of sacrifice. And, you know, you try to you try to do things. And if, if, if you're wanting to see uh, or participate in your son's tournaments or, or, or events and sporting things, which I'm all for, uh, you do that. And you try to get a flexible schedule when you can run or when you could go to the gym, you know. It just takes a couple of days' notice to get the sparring session uh, rescheduled or, or something else. Um, you know, it's, it's not impossible. And, yes, you're doing your due diligence. You know, you're not taking your lunch pail to work, but you're taking your gym bag to the gym, and that's your work. Right. And and just like you said, you know, it's one thing to, to uh, um, you know, uh, miss something and and I, I know that sucks but you said the most important thing you adjust your schedule um it is what it is this is how the guy makes money you know I, I, it's just um it's to me it's it's a cop-out i don't know that's just my opinion um there's always drama with both uh, anthony and andre durrell so i to tell you the truth i don't even like watching their fights i really you, don't you said that. You I, said that. yeah I, I don't even like watching their fights and to, tell, and, and to be honest with you, it just seems like all the PBC fighters, uh, you know, they get, they get these crazy scores. Um, they never really fight each other. Uh, they're always complaining. There's always trouble around them. I mean, I, it's fact is facts. Just, just look around at the fighters that cause the most trouble and see who they're aligned with. 
Um, on this card, there were some other good fights. Uh, in uh, the welterweight division, Jamal James improved to 25-1 and when he scored a six-round stoppage over uh, Janier Gonzalez. I thought this was a mismatch. Uh, Gonzalez looked good on paper, uh, losing only the second time in his career. He's now 19-2, and uh, but uh, uh, James was clearly the better fighter. In a fight that really... You know, I think it magnifies what I'm talking about. Uh, Jersey and Rosario improved to 18 wins, one loss, one draw when he stopped Marcos Hernandez uh, at 2.45 of the ninth round. Uh, Hernandez drops uh, to 14-2 and won. This was actually a rematch. Uh, their first fight ended in a draw. This was a great fight and was a great example of the problem with the scoring of fights, Sal. Rosario was clearly landing the harder, more damaging punches but Hernandez was landing more, and he was more accurate. His punches didn't have any pop. They didn't cause any damage. Uh, but because of the stoppage, we never really saw, at least I didn't see, uh, what the scores were leading up to this fight. Uh, you know, uh, leading up to the stoppage, I should say. You know, when a fighter is landing half the punches, Sal, but he's, th but he's doing more damage, I don't think that that fighter has been getting the nod on judges' scorecards. I think that they've gone specifically to a amount of punches landed versus the damaging effect. What do you think? Do you see that in uh, recent fights over the last several I years? Do. I do, and it's always been. I mean, ever since my amateur career. I mean, you've always heard. I, I've said this before. What does it take? Does it take 10 jabs to equal one power punch or, or something like that? It's uh, it's It's... It's hard. And when you see, that's why it's so subject to uh, a judge's opinion and what they see in the fight and what their criteria is and how they judge a fight. And that's why, you know, they're, they're supposed to all be around the same neighborhood or on the same page. But, you know, it is subject to human error or, or to the individual, what they see and how they see it. You may have a, a, a judge that does appreciate the fine art of boxing, slipping, moving, landing the shots, and and uh, doing what they have to do. Then you may have another judge that likes to see the guy come wading in and blocking the punches and countering. <laughs> so it, it, it does really be, be, uh, become a subject to one's opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely it's uh, subjective. It's just, um, I, you know, when you look at some of these fighters and the beatings they t are taking and then they lose, uh, uh, you know, the other way around, you know, and then... Um, uh, they win the fight because they, you know, were were tapping with the jab. Uh, I, I I don't know. I just it, it's it's uh, it's disheartening. One one last uh, fight I wanted to mention real quick: uh, Umberto Soto improved to sixty nine wins, nine losses, and a couple of draws with thirty seven knockouts uh, when he beat my one of one of my favorite fighters, Bam Bam Rios, uh, who drops to thirty five and five uh, in a super welterweight or junior middleweight fight. Uh, in Tijuana, um, the way the judges scored at 119, 111, 118, 112 uh, twice, uh, Bam Bam Rios is 32 years old, was uh, going to get a shot at a title if he won this fight. Now that shot goes to 38-year-old uh, Umberto Soto. I liked the fight. It was extremely entertaining. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, he, here's the thing. Some people are arguing that uh, Rios might have been uh, robbed a little bit. When you look at the scores, they did seem a little... Uh, lopsided, but here's the bottom line. You know, Rios, um, he was the aggressor throughout the whole fight, Sal. 
for, throughout the whole fight, he was the guy coming forward. But but here's the thing. You, you got to throw punches. You can't just move forward. And and the, the bigger weights that Rios has gone up to, um, he's lost his power. He used to wear down his opponents. You know, used to break them down, body, body, boom, then the stoppage. But as he started moving up, and he's fighting, what, three or four weight classes uh, above his uh, uh, championship uh, weight, he's just not the same. So now what you have is you have an aggressive fighter who throws punches that's not really hurting his opponent, and he's taking a beating. What was your thoughts on this fight? Well, same thing. You know, you, you saw, you know, where we would classify as effective aggressiveness, but effective meaning you're coming in with punches and you're landing the blows, you're cutting off the ring, you're doing what you have to do. I mean, it was an entertaining fight. They, they were in front of each other and they were exchanging. I thought Soto did a very good job counterpunching. And, uh, you know, it looked like he tried to steal a lot of the rounds in the last 30 seconds, last 15 seconds. And uh, he closed some of the rounds pretty well with combinations and things. So, you know, I think that Rio's really got to test. As you said, I'll tell you what, Bill, both these fighters look a little pudgy. And, uh, uh, and, and maybe Rio's is fighting uh, above and beyond where he, he was his best. He was the best and at lightweight. He's fighting junior middleweight. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he, if, he, if he wanted to really be serious, I mean, it really what it is. It's just gym work and pushing yourself away from the table. And watch what you eat, and uh, like Jarrell, yeah. Mil- like kind of like what Jarrell Miller does, right? Oh, wait a minute, he eats the whole table. That's right, different, different table. <laughs> um, Not only does he take his lunch pail to work, but man, he takes the whole suitcase. He takes a garbage pail full, you know. But uh, yeah. hey, you know, I, I wanted, you know, we're we're a diversified show here. We talk about many things. Um, we do, and, and and you know, I I, I want to share something with everyone I, I you don't have the camera on me but you know our our united states post office right and when, yes. years ago we used to say you know oh they're going postal you know because you know yeah. mundane work you know they're they're sorting envelopes all day long doing whatever they're doing same thing every day and somebody pisses them off and that's when you know people used to go to work and you know take things in their own hand not that it's okay but that's where the term going postal came from well as we keep raising the price to mail a letter here in the U.S. You know, it dawned on me, you know, it went up again. It's 55 cents, I think, now to mail a letter. And, you know, I started thinking, you know, you know what? Maybe it's not that much of a ripoff. It is kind of hard, you know. They deliver it right to the box and everything. Well, I get this. First couple of weeks ago, I get this call from uh, somebody that I, I sent the check to. And they said, you know, could you send us another check? And they sent me a piece of they said well, all we got was this in the mail it was just a part of the check that had my name on it so i sent him another check well i got the other half and and this is it okay this is what this is what i got from the, the post office okay it's it's a half an envelope that shows the return address and in it happens to be the half a check okay the other half a check with the statement right so i'm sitting here and i'm chuckling i'm ready to throw it out but i couldn't help but read what it says sal <laughs> It says, Dear Postal Customer, we sincerely regret the damage to your mail during the handling by the Postal Service. We hope this incident has not inconvenienced you. We realize that your mail is important and that you have every right to expect it delivered in good condition. Although every effort is made to prevent damage, 
uh, to in the mail. Occasionally, errors will occur because of the great volume handed and the rapid processing methods which we must uh, employ in order to be uh, in order to do the distribution as uh, well as possible. We hope you understand, and we continually strive uh, to make uh, our service uh, uh, great. Your postmaster. I don't know, Sal. Uh, you you got to see the pieces. This is how it came. I I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just want to say. I like to see it. I like to see it. I, I just want to say keep up the good work, uh, United States Post Office. All right. Uh, some big uh, news in the sport of boxing, Sal. Uh, Tyson Fury. This is a guy that never stops to amaze me. And earlier in the week, he amazed the boxing world. Signing a deal with ESPN uh, and a mult a uh, uh, a a combined now he's got two uh, promoters with Bob Arum of Top Rank so he's in cahoots now uh, with uh, Bob Arum uh, and Top Rank with ESPN and his regular uh, promoter Frank Warren uh, he's issued a statement saying that uh, ESPN is the biggest uh, sporting network in the world, combined with BT Sports. So I'll have dual viewers from America and the UK. Gives me the opportunity to be on the biggest uh, broadcasting network in the world. Uh, now they have to come to the Tyson Fury show. Um, what this all means, Sal, is that the rematch that the WBC has ordered uh, to take place between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder uh, is in jeopardy. It very well may not happen. Uh, they are uh, demanding uh, more than a 50-50 split. The WBC states that because Wilder is still the champion, their rules indicate that it's a 60-40 split, Deontay Wilder's um, favor. Tyson Fury wants no less than a 50-50, and as a matter of fact, he believes he deserves 60-40. Doesn't look like the fight's going to take place. What's your thoughts? Well, that's a shame, and you know what, because who loses? The fans. And uh, it was a good competitive fight. Uh, it was a, 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 not a clear victor. And uh, a rematch was a natural and was spoken about as soon as they, uh, before the show ended. And I think uh, that the fans are going to lose out on this most more than anybody. And, and I think there should have been a mandatory rematch clause to begin with. And uh, that would have preceded uh, any obligation with uh, any promoters and networks. So, well, again, it's the politics well, getting involved. Well, the point is is that they're not saying that the rematch won't happen. What they're right. saying is is it's not going to happen next. And that's the problem because what, yeah. what, they're, what they're shooting, what they're talking about potentially is now um, that if, if Fury doesn't fight um, Deontay Wilder, the WBC can invoke their rematch or uh, invoke their mandatory challenger, which is Dominic Brazil, and force a fight with Deontay Wilder against him. And then uh, um, Tyson Fury would fight someone else. And they're talking about the possibility of a, a Pulov fight or um, uh, you know some other fighters as well uh, in the mix. So... Uh, you know, that's one fighter they're mentioning uh, with uh, Cuba Pulov. Um, but uh, and none of them want to fight Anthony Joshua. So that And then that fight looks like, because we wanted to see the winners fight each other. I, I, I mean, the top three fighters, Sal, 
with Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, and Deontay Wilder, to for for the sport to deny the boxing fan a fight between any of them fighting each other, I think is a travesty. And the fact that you know you could make an argument business wise, oh they're they're marinating, but the truth of the matter is is they can't make the money fighting the other fighters as much as they can make fighting themselves, win, lose, or draw. And it wouldn't affect the purses that they would make even if they lost. I don't understand the thought process here, Sal. Well, as you said, you know, promoters have a fancy way of uh, disguising things or, or camouflaging them by using the term marinating or doing this or doing that. And, and you know, I use that term of a, a round rock and a trilogy or so you have these three fighters and yes uh there's been talk of i mean we, we started talking three years ago two years ago about anthony joshua and deontay wilder that fight never happened and there's only one fight away that it'll never happen because you don't know i mean look at it this way if uh, deontay wilder lost that fight to, to uh, tyson fury in the eyes of uh, uh people and judges we wouldn't be talking about a, a potential Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua fight with uh, both uh, fighters going in undefeated as champions. Won't happen. So any fight they take, other than what the fight that the fans want to see, is potentially the one fight that we will never have. That fight that we really want to see. So you've said it many times. I've uh, concurred with you on that, and. That's what could happen. I mean, you know, you have a rematch for a reason. Because you just put on a great fight. Fans are hungry. They want to see round 13, round 14. They want to see the continuance of what would happen. And uh, that's when the iron's hot and it should strike. Well, keep, but, one, other, keep one other thing in mind. we got to take a break. We're going to get uh, Dax on. But keep one thing in mind. They finally released the numbers for the pay-per-view between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Oh, good. You know what it was? Three um, 300,000 buys. Now, I think if a normal fighter got 300,000 buys, I, I don't know if that they would complain, but I'm disappointed in those numbers. I thought that it would have done significantly well, uh, better. I, 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 you know, I'm not so sure if it's one of two things. Either people didn't think that it was going to be a competitive fight and didn't bother to buy it, or what I think, it goes to show you Deontay Wilder is not a draw. You know, even though he fought Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury wasn't taken uh, seriously. Now, the next fight obviously would do a lot better with with the pay-per-view buys. But at the end of the day... These guys are, are, are walking away from big money. It doesn't make sense. Sal, we'll be talking later. I got a bunch of emails to read that you're going to love and some yeah, other man. news. So uh, don't go nowhere. Uh, Sal and I will be back. But first, we're going to take a short break and we're scheduled to get uh, Dax Khan with us. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. 
Boxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now, I don't know what he's doing. You see, he, I have him on camera. It looks like he's waving a magic wand or something over his keyboard. But uh, joining me right now uh, is my man, uh, Daxcom. What are you doing, man? I'm, I was wondering if you were trying to signal to me. I'm like, what's he, what's he doing? What's up, man? I've had audio video problems for the last couple weeks setting this up and every time i set it up all of a sudden i turn it off and the whole thing resets itself and every day you gotta spend 45 minutes resetting it it's a pain in the neck you know from now on we're just gonna call you know bring out the more progressive soup cans that you used to have hey listen oh yeah you remember that <laughs> hey you know what i i just uh, for a minute there it sounds like you've hired sal rocky senacola to do all your computing work over there because you know it sounds like the same story <laughs> Um, Chris Eubank, James DeGal, I love the fight, man, and and I thought that Chris Eubank uh, uh, looked a hell of a lot better than than I'm used to seeing him. What was your thoughts on that one? You know, I think I'm in the majority. I've always been a Chris Eubank Jr. fan. Um, you know, it was an ugly fight at times. I believe that you know, if you asked me three years ago, Bill, who the best um, super middleweight in the sport was, I just said James DeGal without a problem. I wouldn't even thought twice, but the injuries, uh, the Achilles, the, the the bone graft from the hip to his shoulder, you know, that caught up with him very quickly. And so I think, you know, James DeGale, he just physically can't do it anymore. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., you're right, he's getting better. Um, I just think he needs to work behind his jab a little bit more. Yeah. I think he needs to learn how to cut off the ring a little bit more. But other than that, I think Chris Eubank Jr., uh, you know, he has power. Um, he has a solid chin. And, you know, I like the team that he has behind him now. Um, you know, Nate Vasquez, I think, you know, it was a big bonus inside his corner. I think, you know, it's a lot better than having his father over there. James DeGal, he had a great career. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, in my opinion, he's even had a Hall of Fame career considering he was, you know, the first uh, British uh, Olympian to become a uh, gold medalist, to become a world champion, a two-time world champion. And the future for Chris Eubank Jr., you know, it, it's bright. I'm waiting to see, you know, what happens with him. And if he improves a little bit more, I'd like to see him have his rematch with Billy Joe Saunders or one of the other top super middleweights in the division. You know, uh, I, you're 100% correct. I, I agree with you about Chris Eubank because if he does fight uh, uh, better behind his jab, in other words, if he uses his jab more, and you're right, um, if, if this guy uh, can uh, um, not only fight behind his jab but uh, also move his head just a, a, a little more, um, I, I think he's I think he's all, all there and cutting the ring off if he, if he cut the ring off half as as well as he did last night I don't even think this fight would have went into uh, the round that it got stopped in I I don't know I think he's he's close though Dax Chris Eubank is is close for being in the discussion that's all I'm saying yeah, is, is it just me or did referee Michael Alexander be a little over generous to Degal at times Oh yeah no, he, that, how about the point? That, the point deduction that, I mean, yes, he threw him to the canvas, but, you know, he was getting frustrated, you know, and, and the warning of the low blows, they were on the belt line. And, and what about how many times the Gale had hit Eubank Jr. behind the head? There was the one time when um, 
I forget which round it was that Eubank Jr. had slipped and DeGale had punched him behind the head while he was down. Well, he I mean, did it was clear on the video. He did it. He did it a couple of times at the bell too, or or you could make the argument that it was slightly after the bell. But uh, he was a desperate fighter. He was a desperate fighter. He was fighting desperately after the second round. It, he went into desperation mode. That's what it looked like to me. Because at first, I thought, okay, he wants to get Chris Eubank Jr. in the later rounds. He wants to break him down. He wants to do But uh, after the second, maybe third round, I said to myself, nah, he's not doing this. He's in survival mode. Yeah, it seems so. And like I said, I've never seen a guy, uh, such a high-level fighter, go down so fast. Yeah. Um, Joe Joyce was on the undercard uh, of that fight, Dax. And... Uh, a lot of fanfare about him. Um, he's a big heavyweight. He seems like a, a you know a, a really good listener and a learner, but I, I, he's not ready for the for for the big fights yet. Uh, a win over Stavern does not show me that he's ready. And one thing I can't help but notice, and I'm curious to get your thoughts: is it me, or does he throw his punches with no power behind him? I, I mean. Um, I, I, he lands flush, but for a guy his size, I would expect more power. What, am, am I not giving him credit? Should I be giving Stavern more credit for a solid chin or what? No, I think um, Joe Joyce, you know, even though he is 33 and he only has, I think that was his ninth fight last night, I believe, or eighth fight. Eighth. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't fought any killers. Um, you know, he's fought some pretty good journeymen. Um, he's fought... Uh, uh, I believe, aside from um, Joe Hanks, I believe that he fought, um, and a few other guys that I can't think of right this moment that you put me on the spot. But now he's uh, with Abel Sanchez, which is a plus. We know Abel Sanchez is a great technical uh, coach, and he's also a guy who really knows how to teach his fighters how to sit down on their punches, as we know with Kennedy Golovkin and a few other guys inside that camp. So Lenroy Thomas is the other guy I was speaking about. Um, you know, he seems to be getting better in each outing, but, you know, time is not on his side. He's six foot six. He has an eighty-inch reach. He needs to be a little bit more mobile. He needs to. Uh, he's an active heavyweight inside the ring. He throws a lot of punches. He needs to get a little bit more head movement inside there. And I'm not so worried about the, um, you know, how many, uh, how hard he hits. You know, if if you can keep a volume, you can keep that pressure up, and you have a solid chin, that'll bring you a long way in this sport and a long way in that heavyweight division. Because as big as a puncher as. Um, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua are. They're really not guys who like to be pressured. And if you can, you know, deal with that power and you can continuously pressure them, you can give them a hard time and you can definitely stay in that top mix. Uh, Tyson Fury, not a big puncher, but you know what? He's a great boxer. He has a great chin, you know, and, and he's shown that himself, exactly what you can do if you have a well-rounded skill set and you have a solid chin and you're that size in that division. True, true. I just think that... Um... Uh, you know, they're talking about Stavern as being a measuring stick, and he was a punching bag, Dax. He uh, he had no defense. He took a, a lot of shots, was very little coming back. He he was throwing that, that uh, overhand right, and it was landing. Uh, so you say to yourself, Abel, uh, I'm sure, is going to work on some defense. Now, going to one of your I know I know you're a huge fan of both Durrell brothers, but uh, once again... These guys are, 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 you know, I hate to point the finger. I still believe, and I laughed my butt off listening to some of the comments Boom Boom Mancini was making uh, to Khalib uh, Plant uh, because Plant was, was talking like a lot of young fighters today about, uh, you know, oh, what great defense Darrell is showing. And 
boom, boom, man. So he's like, what? Because he's running away? That's not defense. You know, you got to be able to fight. But what was your thoughts on the fight, the stoppage, and, of course, the drama that always seems to follow both Darrell brothers? Well, since you mentioned it, I'll address them first real quick. Both Ray Mancini and Caleb Plant. Number one, Ray, I was a big fan of his as a um, boxer, of course. But, you know, as a commentator, just like somebody else that we know, once they joined with the PBC, it seems that they're, you know, they're saying scripted stuff because I've never heard stuff come out of their mouths like this before, uh, whether or not it be in person or on TV. You know, Ray Mancini, he really got overboard in the um, the Gonzalez fight when Gonzalez and uh, James fought. And remember, even when they showed on the replay that Gonzalez, all those punches missed and the feet were tangled up, Ray Mancini's going wild and he's screaming and he's yelling, I don't care, that touched his shoulder, I don't care. Somebody in the crowd and, you know, it, it just even Caleb Plant was sitting there and just uh, arguing with him. As for Caleb Plant, you know, I understand that, you know, you're young and you want to hype up your division, but you, when he's sitting there saying, right now, the super weight division is the deepest it's ever been in history, and all I'm saying to myself is, I know a guy, there's a guy named Carl Froch, Jermaine Taylor, Arthur Abraham, Mikel Kessler, and somebody named Andre Ward that might differ with you, and that was only about 10 years ago. And Joe so Calzaghi, even Calzaghi, who I never liked. Throw him in Kalzaki is the all-time king of that division. We're not even going to get into that. There's not a guy at 168 pounds that touches him. Anyway, I won't comment. Anyway. On, I won't comment <laughs> on that because I have swayed my opinion towards Lennox Lewis. So I'm not going. You and I can save that for another day. But but um, I mean, what was your thoughts on the stoppage? I mean, the cut did look bad, but it didn't seem to be um, you know, changing anything for Durrell. I, I, you know, what, what disheartened me is it's the same script. Yildirim was landing the harder, more uh, efficient punches. Durrell was throwing his punches in spurts. If, if you scored the fight, the first couple of rounds, I, I leaned towards Durrell. But after that, I thought Yildirim took over. I thought the stoppage came at a point where if they let this fight go two more rounds, um, I, I don't think there's any question that Durrell loses. What's your thoughts? If you listen to the corner in between there, you know, we won't go over, but, you know, when somebody goes back in there, listen to the corner and see what they were saying, and then you'll understand that, you know, they were not that confident over there. And as you just stated yourself, all the time when these Darrell brothers are in trouble, there seems to be some sort of drama. You know, all of a sudden now they start getting the doctor to look at that cut because Yildrum is a guy that they thought was going to go away easy, you know? And that didn't happen. So, Yildrim, it was a good fight. I think uh, Yildrim, I agree, he would have got that stoppage another two rounds later. And I think uh, Darrell kind of squeaked away with it. Either way, whether or not it's Anthony Darrell, whether or not it's Caleb Plant, whether or not it's Chris Eubank Jr., the king of that division is Caleb Smith. You know, I mean, Caleb, I, yeah, Caleb, um, uh, McCallum Smith. Callum Smith, yeah, uh, you know, Callum Smith is the king of that division, and I don't see anybody in that division touching him, coming close to him, even if Zuri Ramundo uh, decided to stay there, David Benavidez, when he comes back, he gets back in the mix. I think that uh, um, Smith right now is the top. He hasn't even been in a close fight. He's the lineal champion. He won the World Boxing Super Series, so everybody else right now is just an also-ran, and Smith happens to be with the biggest promoter in the sport today, so isn't, right isn't, now it's just... Isn't Hurd a super middleweight, or is he light heavy? Is who? Heard. Jarrett? No, Jarrett Heard is a junior middleweight. That's right. That's right. He's a junior middleweight that looks like I. I'm sorry. I thought he was in the heavyweight division. But um, uh, mm -hmm. 
<laughs> That's how big that guy is. Oh, my God. But um, it just seems like when the PBC fighters are involved, there's always some shenanigans. One fight I do want to comment before I jump into something else was uh, the fight between uh, Jerson Rosario and uh, Marcos Hernandez was another, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it showcased what I think is wrong with the scoring system. I thought that um, uh, Rosario was winning the fight, and I believe that if he if this fight went to the final bell, he might have lost on the scorecards, Dax, because Hernandez was clearly landing more punches, but Rosario was landing the much more devastating and harder shots. They weren't as accurate. You got to give Hernandez credit. He was accurate and throwing and landing more. But the damage that Rosario was doing was obvious and ultimately stopped Hernandez. But this is where that argument that we're always talking about, where you say to yourself, is a judge just scoring on punches landed or is he evaluating and scoring based on the power shots? How do you think the scores uh, were looking? I, I don't know what they were, but do you think that Rosario was winning on the judges' cards as well? Mm, maybe, you know, it, it's tough on, again, what you prefer. And we see that all the time. Do you prefer the power? Do you prefer the, um, the volume? So it, it, that's one of those fights where I wouldn't have had a hard time either way, no matter who won, as long as the scores were within, you know, two or three rounds at the most. And big, the big news in the sport was the signing, uh, Tyson Fury signing with ESPN and, and top rank to co-promote him along with Frank Warren. Um, this opens up a whole can of worms with the top three heavyweights in the division. Um, of course, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, as we're talking about, and Deontay Wilder. Now it just seems like it's going to prolong any of them fighting each other. What's your thoughts on the signing here, Dax? I think it's great for boxing. And what I think here is, is just another nail in the coffin of PBC. Because right now, what you're starting to see is, you know, we have all the competition. We have all the streaming services. Bob Arum is more willing to work with everybody else. And Bob Arum, you know, the old wise uh, uh, veteran that he is, you know, I, I can see him, you know, getting a quicker opportunity for Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua as he agrees with, you know, his ESPN deal and he works with the zone. And, you know, the PBC just pretty much being phased out. The PBC, even last night, you know, it starts late. And then on top of that, once it does start, they're talking about another sport. You know, they're talking about what happened in boxing in the building. So uh, from um, uh, basketball that happened, you know, 20 years ago in that building. So uh, I, I think it's great. And I just actually, I'm going to, you know, I'll see this and I'll just leave it at that. When the PBC folds, boxing will once again be what it used to be. If right now, the PBC, I just it just stresses me. There's always drama. There's always that same little in-house circle of fighters, and the fighters themselves don't even realize how robbed they're getting. And once they start going with other people, as we have seen with a lot of these other guys, whether or not it's a uh, Eddie Hearn or whether or not it's a Bob Arum and so on and so forth, they seem to flourish. They do better, and they're actually getting opportunities they deserve. So you know what? Let this happen. Let Dustin happen. And then you know what? Maybe Deontay Wilder can get out of his contract and he'll jump over with Eddie Hearn and then he'll jump or he'll jump with Bob Arum. And then the heavyweight division will actually really once again be the top of the sport. Well, that was part of the deal that he's turned down already. Um, apparently, and according to ESPN, uh, which is generally uh, uh, accurate with their, with their stories, is that um, the... Uh, Team Fury, which is now top rank, and Frank Warren, offered Wilder the rematch. 
um, and uh, some big bucks as long as he signed a five-fight deal. Tyson Fury, which could have, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Deontay Wilder, which could have made more money in those five fights, regardless of who he fought, than he would with with the deal he's got now, especially since he's getting boxed out. If you stop and think about it, his value is the least. 300,000 buys for a world heavyweight title fight in America against an American. That's sad. And, and you make an interesting point, and it almost makes this harder for these guys to get together, Dax, because ESPN uh, and Top Rank are associated with ESPN+, Plus, and DAZN is associated with uh, Anthony Joshua. I'm not so sure that they could actually do a co-promotion right out of the gate, especially since both uh, streaming services are trying to establish themselves. So that, in a sense, this deal between Tyson Fury and uh, ESPN uh, and the deal that Anthony Joshua has with the zone uh, and, and Deontay Wilder just being uh, out on the island with the rest of the PBC fighters, I can't see these three guys getting in the ring against either one of themselves anytime soon. I think that... Um the deal between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury would happen sooner than later. Uh, I think Bob Arum, he's he's, so, he's smart. We know that's why he's been in the sport so long. He knows how to make money, and we know Eddie Hearn knows how to make money, and we know that Eddie Hearn, you know, his involvement with the zone, and we know uh, Bob Arum, his deal with ESPN. So I can see that happening, and I see Deontay Wilder getting boxed out, and, you know, that's, you know, the future of the sport. But somebody told me the other day, PBC has the biggest talent roster. They told me that the PBC has the most loyal fighters, and they told me the PBC has the greatest cards. You know, what I see here is all the top names that are with the PBC making a fraction of what these other guys are making, and I just see the PBC really failing quickly. And these guys, what's going to happen is they're going to end up being fed to guys in the other uh, divisions and guys with the other networks as opponents simply because they made it so hard to work with during their time without Heyman. Yeah, and but, everybody else is going to say, you know what, you want to make it so hard to work with us, now you know, we're not feeding you. Yeah, but the best part of it is that, unfortunately, because it's not going to be the best part for the PBC fighters, but the PBC has protected these guys so much, and these guys have been fighting non really uh, fighters with either either way beyond their uh, talent because they're they're washed up, or fighters just that have these uh, blown up records so that when they finally do get in the ring with somebody else, they're not going to stand a chance. One thing I did notice about the PBC is that they're, they're actually trying to be like the UFC. They're trying to create their own self-contained league. And the funny thing is they're starting to lose fighters. So they're re they have their own little group of fighters that aren't fighting anyone else. And the talent, like you suggest, is less than stellar, and uh, I, I can't see a no. young fan trying to, to. I can't see a young fan staying to be a fan of these fighters personally. Bill, this is what happens with the PBC: is that they talk. Um, they said what? We. Uh, it sounds like we lost uh, Dax here for a second. I uh, apologize for that. And uh, not sure uh, uh, what the deal is there, but uh, um, we will uh, uh, hopefully get uh, get him back soon. 
But uh, in any event, you know, the PBC, um, you know, the PBC uh, is, in my opinion, in some trouble. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, but uh, but the biggest thing is that the uh, the fighters themselves uh, are in jeopardy uh, because of the uh, simple fact that um, the uh, the talent level uh, that they're exposed to uh, is not the same, at least uh, in my opinion. They're, they're just not. But uh, in any event, we lost Axe. Uh, we will uh, take a short break here, and when we come back, uh, we'll have. I'm scheduled to have Alex Pally join us, uh, so uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans! Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out: www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and joining us right now to give us his thoughts on the fights and other stuff uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, how about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Having another little uh, little rainstorm here, but uh, it's not snow, so. You mean like winter. you mean like what we're getting up here? Yeah, right. You're getting. <laughs> yeah, it's. I can see why people go uh, where they go cabin crazy. It's not really the cabin that makes you go crazy, but uh, in it, in any <laughs> event. Uh, first and foremost, Chris Eubank against James DeGal. I loved the fight, and I liked what I saw with Chris Eubank. As a matter of fact, I never was very high on him, but um, I think my attitude is changing. I think if the guy uh, can utilize his jab a little more, and like uh, Dak suggested a few minutes ago, uh, learn to cut the ring off, I, I think he's going to be a tough out in that division. What was your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, he definitely seemed to come into his own last night. Um, he's he's always been, I guess you got to say, a heel. Uh, he sort of likes cultivating. I mean, you know, you, you heard the booze when he was introduced. 
Uh, he doesn't mind that role. His father kind of had the similar role. Uh, it works for the Eubanks. Um, they're the fighters you love to hate type thing. Um, but yeah, I thought he looked good last night. Um, it does like what Dax was saying. It does look like uh, James DeGale is a guy who really got old in front of us and got old really quickly. Um, he uh, looked very awkward, more awkward than usual. And I think that um, Eubank did a good job in uh, just really thumping him um, and, and making a claim for himself that, you know, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. And and I guess both him and his father were saying that at this point they might go uh, the next fight at 168 or 160. So, you know, his, he's got his options open. I think that's one of the things about him is that he's like, um, he has a fan base, will travel, that kind of thing. Well, I thought that they were, uh, the fans were booing Chris Eubank at first. But when he won the fight, they cheered. He seemed to become the favorite. That's the yeah. one thing I love about the British fans. I mean, they, they're they boxing fans. This is why I really believe that this particular, in myself, I know it's being selfish, but I think this particular show uh, would be great in England. And I'm not just saying that because the nature of the fan base for the sport of boxing in, this, in England is more appreciative of a show like this than some of the fans here because they're not a lot of fans in the u.s are very close-minded they, they like their guy and that's it no one can uh teach them anything else so here you have a uh a, a, a fight where they're booing one guy but after his performance they give the credit what credit's due and i think that that's exactly what happened alex yeah i agree with you and i and i think that's the thing that's sort of the cool thing about heels i guess is that um you know, uh, that, that they, they can surprise you. And I think that just through their athletic performance, they can win people over. Something froze. I'm not sure what happened. Well, we still got you, just the camera. So don't, don't, okay. don't, don't be scared. Don't I be won't scared. Be scared. <laughs> um, um, we'll just uh, take the camera off the, uh, right. off, off your frozen face. Oh, there you're back anyway. <laughs> Uh, it happens with the new technology. Isn't it great, boys and girls? You know, it's like it's like you don't need a wire for a phone anymore either, but you don't got great reception. But um, what was your thoughts on Joe Joyce? Uh, you know, I, I think he is still very green. He is a work in progress. I kind of thought that Al Bernstein was doing his best to be nice. Uh, yes, it did seem like Joyce, you know, weathered one or two hard punches in the first round, but I'm not sure you can really, you know, learn much with a win like that over um, over a shell of once once what once looked like Berman Stavern. Um, I don't know. He Joyce is uh, there's a real tentativeness in the way he seems to throw his punches. He doesn't really seem to plant his feet. Um, but, you know, uh, he's still green, so it, it's early in his career. Let's see what he's got. You know, he's still developing. But you're right. What you guys, what you were saying with Sal and what you were saying with Dax is that the idea that he's, you know, a top contender, that's just really, really premature. Um, the jury's still out on him. Well, you know now, you got to talk to him with a much deeper level of respect, Alex, because... He's now the 
WBA's world gold champion or gold world champion, and he puts him in line to fight the WBA's uh, regular world heavyweight champion, uh, the household name Manuel Char, who was waiting to fight Frezzaquendo, who, uh, after waiting 10 years to fight the guy, almost five to be exact, and turning 67 or 75, I forget how old he just turned, he didn't sign the contract, which I thought was pretty strange, so he's added a loop. Um, my point is, with the three top dogs in the division now, AJ, Tyson Fury, and of course Deontay Wilder, a guy like Joe Joyce, and even Dillian White, and even Derek Chisora, and any other young heavyweight that's even in the mix, um, you know, I, they're going to be fighting each other while these the, the three top dogs are going to be dancing around making money and not fighting each other. What ends up giving you a fight between one of these young fighters that are really still in the developmental stage to all of a sudden get a shot. I mean, let's be real. Everybody knows I can't stand Jarrell Miller. But when you look at the uh, the facts, and the facts are, who did he fight to deserve a fight against uh, a top dog, let alone the top heavyweight in the world? And don't you see these young fighters following the same path of least resistance as long as they stay busy they get a world title shot yeah i think you're right and i think that becomes more likely now as you're saying when you have um three different media platforms that the top the top considered uh champions are each with um so now if uh, joshua is going to fight on the zone he needs an opponent on the zone if uh, Wilder's going to fight only on Showtime, he needs an opponent on Showtime. If Fury's only going to fight on ESPN with top rank, then he needs an f- opponent there, you know, because we're not going to have any uh, unification bouts. So it is frustrating for a fan. It's funny because there's so many things from the 80s that are big again, and it almost feels, Billy C., you must feel the same way, that we're, it's time for a heavyweight unification tournament. Where's Don King and Butch Lewis with his tuxedo and no shirt? Uh, we need, um, I mean, the idea that Fury signed with Top Rank, I, I don't mean to jump the gun to talk about that, but I don't think that as much as it makes sense for him promotionally to have a media platform behind him, it is not good for fans uh, because it makes a deal of, of seeing a Fury Wilder, a Fury Joshua, a wilder Joshua, it makes it more difficult to happen because now you have to get the networks to agree. And as we saw this week, um, ESPN, who claims they want to keep their fingers on the pulse of the sport, pulled Anthony Joshua and Jarrell Big Baby Miller from all their um, they they had them you know to promote their DAZN fight. But someone one of the higher mucky mucks must have realized why are we promoting a DAZN fight? Let's not give him any airtime. Well, if you guys are the worldwide leader in sports, you should cover it because it's, it's you know, Anthony Joshua fight. But it just shows you that we're going to get into this little corporate pissing contest between all these guys, and that doesn't help fans at all. Alex, it goes back to what I've been saying. It's First of all, they're all trying to follow a very successful model with the UFC and Dana White. 
but unfortunately they can't grab it as as well as he did. He encompassed the 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 whole league and became the the big dog, right? Well, the boxing sees, wow, we wish we could have done that, but there's too many other tangibles involved, a la sanctioning bodies and, and different promoters with different deals, et cetera, et cetera. So what has evolved is the big promoters, the top dogs, if you will, have aligned themselves with a network, whether it's television or streaming, and they're saying, okay, this is how you get to see our fighters, by this network. The network is paying the fighters. So when you sign a deal, a $300 million deal with fighters like Anthony Joshua and then another $300 million deal with fighters like Canelo Alvarez and you're at the zone and you're charging 10 bucks a month and, and you're trying to make this money, you're, it's a business. They got to make money. So their expense is X amount of money per fight for these big names. I'll bet you dollars to donuts right now that they're not going to do anything to work with ESPN and their platform that people are paying five bucks a month for, that's going to further divide it. You're going to see different roads. These other young fighters that may very well have uh, possessed enough talent to be, you know, top dogs themselves someday are going to be rushed to judgment too quickly because there's not enough bodies around. So you're going to see them jumping around fighting the Wilders and the Tyson Furies and the Anthony Joshuas, just like Anthony Joshua's getting... Uh, a, a, an easy fight with the fat pig Jarrell Miller. I mean, and then he's actually acting like, you know, he should be the favorite. I, I mean, come on, who's really buying this stuff? But I see more division than unity, Alex. No, I think you're right. And um, how about that shove at the uh, weigh-in? That almost looked real, didn't it? it um, <laughs> you know, it was ready for it. He didn't even bat an eye. Um, but, you know, but there's there's a big fan base that, that – they're loving that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And people people buy into it. Um, which, you know, uh, hey, uh, those, are the, those are all the people I don't care about, remember? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they're driving the sport right now, brother. That's right. The casuals. I know. Those damn casuals. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I could say something right now, but I don't want to because I don't know what side of the fence you're on. But, uh, uh, and I don't want to get into an argument. But I will just say this. I, I am going to say it. It's, it's like that, that – that woman politician, I can't, I can't stand her. Okay, oh the AOC. That's all I'm gonna say. And all of the, uh, you know, I, love the, her. Uh, I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. Uh, forget it. Let's move on. Uh, we just lost Alex. I'm sorry. We we don't have him anymore. But uh, she she's killing me. I, I can't even look at her. But uh, uh, in any event, back to back to boxing. So getting to that shove. Um, and and finally hearing uh, some of the uh, numbers that came out for Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury won 300,000 buys. What's your thoughts on that, man? Um, It's too bad. I, I You know, it's a little disappointing because I knew it was going to be a big deal and it was a big deal and it's too bad that it didn't do better. Um, but, you know, I mean... I think, like you've said, uh, Wilder uh, is not the draw he, him and his minions think he is, uh, and that kind of proves it. Um, but I, I think that that night we saw something amazing, even though I thought the decision was crappy. Um, 
you know, I thought that that was one of the best heavyweight fights we've seen in a very long time. It was so dramatic. It was terrific. Um, I don't know. It uh, it makes you want to see a rematch, but now I don't think that the rematch is very as likely to happen as it was. Uh, we'll have to see. But I do think that um, last night was a weird situation. I mean, it did feel like, you know, this is the rise of the apps. Uh, and I do think that... Um, uh, it, it was kind of like um, attention deficit uh, disorder theater for me. I mean, I had my laptop watching the zone. I had the TV um, on the PBC on Fox. I kept checking two apps on my cell phone because uh, there were fights at Twin River um, with Marsha Agrippino was fighting, and I, and I was curious as to what was happening with that. Uh, um, Tremaine Williams, a uh, fighter out of Ring One New Haven, uh, originally was fighting in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So yeah, as a boxing fan, this is difficult now because you're, you're you know, you're looking all over the place for uh, for for content. But I don't know. It is kind of cool. I mean, this must be what it's like to be a football or an uh, NBA. I mean, a um, Major League Baseball fan when there's a lot of games in a day. You know. All you I know, options, all, all I all I know, Alex, is that with boxing, there's so much boxing available now. Nobody's watching anymore. You know, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like there's a glut of it, and it's too much. And in a way, I kind of thought last night, you know, the fight that was the most fun, uh, it was definitely a fight that only the American Medical Association could love. Was um, Rios was Soto versus Rios, and it just seemed like. Um, I wish, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe more eyes could have been on it because it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I do agree with you. I thought Soto uh, won big, but I, I mean, not as big as the uh, margins were. I thought he, it was more like a, um eight to four type fight than, you know, they scored it. They only had uh, um, Rios winning two rounds. I thought it was maybe more like four. But um, one thing I did want to mention, I don't know if you caught this, but um, Grissom and Sergio Mora were talking about that 10 second, you know, the way Soto was fighting in the last 10 seconds. That was actually anachronistic what they mentioned because they said that Sugar Ray Leonard was doing that. Remember, uh, there was no tap, tap, tap until 1988 after uh, Marlon Starling versus Tomas Malinares. So Hagler Leonard, there was no tap, tap, tap. One of uh, One of the members of uh, Leonard's camp would shout 30 seconds when there was 30 seconds left in the round and then Ray would flurry uh, there was no uh, clap clap warning um, you know the, no I, I, I get it I, you know the, the thing is that fight was an exciting fight when you look at the Rios uh, Umberto Soto you, you kind of I, I loved both of those fighters I've always been a Bam Bam Rios fan but I also realized yeah, that, that, that well, there's another guy that's finished, and oh, absolutely, they're, they're both shot. Well, well, the, this is true. At least they were fighting each other, you know, which exactly. makes it which exactly. makes it which makes it more interesting. But but what right. you see with with a guy like uh, Bam Bam uh, Rios is that yes, he's still an aggressive fighter. Yes, he's still exciting. Yes, he's still is a warrior out there. But no, he's not throwing any punches anymore. And no, he doesn't have that. 
I'm going to break my opponent down slowly and finish him off because he's fighting three weight class. He, he at his best, he was a lightweight. He's fighting junior yeah. middleweight last night, Alex, and even Umberto Soto uh, moved up in in weight for that. But um, uh, congratulations to to Soto in that fight. But uh, this had this is what the world how has about, become. If I could interrupt you for a second, how about when Sergio Mora said he looks like somebody's dad in there? And Todd Grisham like, well, he, well, he is somebody's Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only thing, you know, to be real critical, I, you know, I, and and um, I shouldn't say. Listen, the, the, the whole, the, let's be real. The, the reason why you're never going to see me in any place uh, like a, a, a real uh, top network is because I'm not going to follow the, the, the blueprint. You know, I'm going to tell it like it is. The closest thing you're going to hear uh, to somebody calling a fight the way it, it's happening for real, not what it's saying on the prompter, was Boom Boom Mancini. Did you hear him? Did you hear him with some of the arguments with Khalid Plant, which was pretty funny because Khalid Plant's trying to say, "Oh well, that's a he's showing he's talking about Durrell. He's showing defense," and uh, and all of a sudden Boom Boom's like, "Come on, man, you can't be defense running away. You got to stand in front of him," and he's basically saying what I've been saying. Sweet science is you hit your opponent, and defense is when you can't get hit, but you're still there to inflict damage on him. He's going, come on, man, come on, and, and plants like, well, you know, and I and I couldn't help but an image of of, of Floyd Fayweather running with his tracksuit on, and every young fighter that has come after him tries to emulate that, and that's why you have this across the board issue with fighters that don't want to engage, fighters that don't want tough fights, promoters that don't want to challenge, uh, challenge their fighters, you know, uh, promotional teams and networks who don't want to risk having a fight or lose. I mean, the end result is everyone gets a participation trophy, or in this case, let's invent another belt. Right, I know. I'm one, waiting for uh, the peanut allergy belt and the, the keto belt and the gluten-free belt how come we don't have those yet? There are people with those conditions that should be considered. Um, no, I did think that the Chris Myers and Ray Mancini arguing was kind of comical, um, especially over the knockdown that wasn't. Uh, the, the fact that Ray couldn't relent about that was a little disappointing. And then the way they kept talking about it, it was like, look, it, the replay clearly showed it was not a knockdown. Let's sort of let it go into the night. But they kept talking about it. Um, so, yeah, it was a little off-putting to hear some of the arguing. I don't know. Chris Myers, I didn't care for him at all last night. Um, but, but, wait, I'll say this about Chris Myers. He doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook. He doesn't, okay? But... But the difference with him is that he is is that canned play-by-play guy. You could put him in the play-by-play role for boxing, for baseball, for football, and he's going to give you the same thing. He's tossing the softball up. There used to only be one other guy, but now we have two other guys in the booth. So what he's doing is, is controlling the action, He's throwing the softballs up to to one of two guys that are supposed to know what they're watching and convey that to the fan. That's what I like about him. Don't get me wrong. I I don't think that any of them are good. Mario Ronaldo with all his, he's hitting the body so much like this candy going to come out of it. If I hear that one more time, you know, and then, you know, 
Um, what they were doing with Paulie Malinaji. Paulie Malinaji. If 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 I if I was James DeGal, I would have had him removed by security in the corner. I mean, he's jumping in front of the trainers. That's all I heard. And then they're like, you know, talking to him like he's still. I'm not part of the show. Oh. You know, we're back with Jim Gray. He's live with Paulie Malinaji in the dressing room, you know. I'm not part of the show, but this is my, my whole thought process on everything. I mean, you know, it gets so – I don't know. Is that what people really want to watch? Yeah, I mean, it does seem as if they were very conscious of, like, we're a show and uh, are part of what the, the commentators are part of the broadcast and – we want you to know what's going on with them. I don't know the way Jim Gray was like joking about what Paulie was wearing, like he wasn't in a suit, uh, and it was oh, big deal. It's kind of like that um, in when you're watching the local, the regional news, and they transition from uh, you know from sports to weather or from regular news to weather, and they have that little few seconds of banter. Oh God, that's painful. It's just miserable. That's kind of like what the, uh, some of that stuff was last night. I don't know. It, um, I, Moro, um, he uh, wasn't as uh, annoying to me as he usually is. But there were. I think it was that I was I was bouncing from one platform to another and I couldn't focus uh, um, on one completely. So. Uh, hey, I, I let me give you a hint. Maybe he benefited from that. Let me <laughs> let me give you a hint in case you didn't figure this one out, there, Alex. All those streaming platforms, once you subscribe, they're on demand. So you could go back and watch them anytime. So so that's the beauty of that part of the technology that I love. Because yeah. I'm, you know me, I'm in my feety pajamas by 8 o'clock generally, you know. So, I, you know, but I'll get up at 2 or 3 in the morning and I start watching them. I can fast forward the commercials. I don't have to see the stupid, listen. To, I don't, you see, I don't listen to a lot of that bs that comes with the broadcast i certainly don't watch the same old stories they just punch in different heads i'm starting to be convinced that they're they're like photoshopping you know grew up from a small town you know came from nothing you know the whole the whole thing and and you know i i, I got a question you know if, if you come from nothing now you you you're like me you're a historian in this sport and we've seen this story i mean it goes all the way back to my man molino you know you come from nothing and you use the sport to get yourself out of nothing, right? Leave. Why do they stay in nothing? The Durrell brothers were saying, you know, now here, now whether you like, I don't like the Durrell brothers. The Durrell brothers are, are, they bring a negative vibe to the sport. But we know that they've both made, and even if you single them out, they've, they've done pretty well for themselves, providing they don't pull a Floyd Mayweather and, and throw their money away like, uh, like it's, you know, uh, confetti. But, you know, Flint, Michigan, it's not a good place to live. There's no water, even though, you know, I saw the signs, water is a right. Um, I don't know if that's really a true statement. Yeah, I suppose water's a right if, if, if you can get it. You know, is it a right to have it delivered in nice water bottles? I don't know about that. But um, anyway, the truth of the How matter is. Yeah, yeah. Well, the faucet, I, I, I do believe. So, but, but it, it, get out, leave. You know, if you if it's that bad, you know, it's like the people that they'll, they'll say, 
And, and I know this is opening up a can of worms. So I should, I, Here we go. I, I know. I shouldn't say this, especially to you. But, you know, I you, you say, got... I, I know. I, I see I, a stand-up comedian's bit about yeah. there's famine. Move. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, you live in a place where you can't grow nothing because there's sand all around. Leave. Don't live there. You know, move. Who was that? You know, I, you know yeah, I don't know. But, 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 but Flint, Michigan... You haven't had water since 2003. Get the hell out. If everybody leaves the town or the city or whatever the heck it is, I don't even know, um, you know, I'm sure either they can put a fence around it so no one has to drink that crap or they'll fix it. I don't know. But the first step is to leave, you know? I, I, call me crazy, man, but... This this has been a libertarian moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was interesting how um, upset Eldrum's uh, corner got where, I don't know if there that was... That was timing. A, a it was all problem. timing. It was timing. Because yeah. it, he was... Uh, uh, Darrell was fading, man. He wasn't going to... That fight was go, definitely going in Eldrum's direction. Now, they stopped that fight earlier. You can't make an argument because Darrell was winning on points, I thought, early in the fight, like after three, four rounds. But then that was right. it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I do, I see what you're saying. I, I agree. I tweeted something like that, that, um, you know, it is kind of strange how Durrell's always seem to be involved in sort of weird stuff. But um, I did think that the, uh, especially the promoter of Ildrum was really um, quite angry for something that he was just completely misunderstanding what happened. And he needed to sort of take it down a notch, um, be a grown-up. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, Darrell looked good. Uh, he is one of the best super middleweights in the world. Um, he, you know, a fight with Eubank, um, that's cool with me. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Of course, uh, Callum Smith now is the best, is, you know, should be recognized the best uh, at 168. Um, but... Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I thought it was for all the... Oh, one thing I did want to say to you, and if I could find a video of it, I will uh, send it to you. But uh, uh, our friend and promoter to the stars, uh, Jimmy Birchfield, um, I guess got into a little post-fight melee uh, at Twin River uh, Casino last night in Providence uh, while Lincoln. Uh, I'll, if I could find a link, because it was on a streaming... Um, Thing. So if I could find a link, I'll send it to you because he actually landed a one-two on uh, <laughs> his opponent's fighter. <laughs> uh, yeah, send that to me. That would be great. But uh, Alex, great job as uh, usual, and uh, we'll be looking forward to you uh, next time. And uh, I, I, I just stay away from AOC, man. Stay I was away. just I was stay away. Don't do it. Just, Don't do it. Just forever. It, New deal. It, 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 it's, it's, it's really good in theory and it, it's great but uh realistic not so much not so much but uh hey i love some of i i love some of the vintage footage that has started to emerge of bernie you know and i never thought that he would look so good compared to her but uh they have they're throwing all this footage of him and you know it's funny how the media you know you, you gotta believe sometimes about how the media really isn't painting the picture the way it really is they swing it their w way to another and they have some footage of bernie sanders saying 
you know, being pro-socialist and fascist and communism, you know. And, um, you know, you know how he is. But, uh, but anyway, he says, he goes like this. He says, breadlines? Breadlines are good. And that's what the caption was. You know, Bernie Sanders caught on tape saying breadlines are good. But the rest of the sentence, the rest of the, the rest of the sentence was, breadlines are good. At least those countries feed their starving people because there's other countries that they just starve to death. <laughs> so I'm saying to myself, I said, oh, well, hey, that's a good comeback, Bernie. You know, what she said back in the 70s. Hey, that's a good comeback. But still, I kind of like the freedom of going to the store and buying some bread. But uh, <laughs> but that's just well, me. See, that's what I love about our sport. Context is everything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Alex, keep up the good work, brother. And we will talk to you next time. All right, Billy C. Take care. Uh, that was Alex Papali. Uh, a, uh, our, our, you know, he's our he's our politician, kind of. I wouldn't call him really. I guess I shouldn't call him a politician, but uh, but he definitely tries to keep me in line. But uh, eh, I'm a tough egg. I'm a tough egg, especially on that side uh, of the fence. But uh, in any event, um, we got a bunch of emails that I want to uh, uh, get going here. But first, I, you know some. Uh, stuff that's taken place, you know, with all this fury talk and everything. And you guys all know how I feel about uh, Jarrell Miller. I, I think it's a travesty that this man is getting a shot at a title, let alone a shot at uh, the title uh, that's held by uh, Anthony Joshua. Uh, but uh, Tyson Fury made some comments about uh, Jarrell uh, Miller. Uh, he claims back in 2011 he hired Jarrell Miller as a uh, sparring partner. Now, keep in mind, I've always thought that Tyson Fury, as good as he is, is not really a power puncher. According to uh, Tyson Fury, that he dropped uh, Baby Miller seven times in sparring, had brought him in for a week, and then sent him home the next day that it didn't even last. And I've heard nothing in response from Jarrell Miller. If this is true... Even way back in 2011, if this was true and Tyson Fury indeed dropped Jarrell Miller seven times in sparring with the bigger gloves and headgear, I pity poor fat Jarrell Miller when he steps in the ring with Anthony Joshua. Ooh, it might be ugly. Joining me now uh, is Sal Rocky Senecola. Seven times Fury claims to have dropped Miller uh, do you think Miller's going to get out of the second or third round with Anthony Joshua? And will he ever talk normal again? <laughs> you know, <coughs> excuse me. Those are good questions. And I'll tell you what, uh, no. No, is right. No. He's no. not. Anthony he's... Joshua has heavy, heavy hands. And he'll, he could break you down, but. Chances are he's going to catch him early with a big shot. And once he does, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, putting some hurt on a fighter quick, yeah, we'll see that happening. And he'll totally crumble. Um, we got uh, some other news. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders uh, Billy will Joe be – yeah, he's getting back in the mix. He's going to be uh, uh, challenging for 
uh, the vacant uh, WBO's version of the super middleweight title. So that could be the winner of that fight, uh, could uh, be a potential uh, opponent for um, Chris Eubank Jr., which is a fight that uh, um, Saunders already got had a win over Eubank. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I mentioned a little earlier that uh, uh, Fred Quendo, uh, who's turned 75, who was waiting for, since 2014 uh, to get a shot at the WBA regular world heavyweight champion, who's changed since that lawsuit started. It's now Manuel Char. Finally had it. He won it. He had the uh, uh, contract in front of him and never signed it. It expired. That fight is off. And now Manuel Char looks like uh, he will be fighting um, this new kid, uh, or not new kid, but the 8-0 Joe Joyce, which I think is uh, uh, kind of uh, funny. But I got some emails to read, Sal. That sounds good. Hey, I also wanted to comment a little later about some of the things I heard in a segment with you and uh, some of the guys. Uh, uh, but you chime me in later when you're ready to hear that. Um, all right. I want to give a shout out uh, to uh, my man Johnston, who just gave us a super chat. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. As you guys know, uh, super chats uh, help us going, keep going. And, and here's the thing. Um, beginning, uh, it's a little tough now because it's towards the end. But uh, I'm going to start giving out some stuff. I got a bunch of stuff. I got some uh uh, t-shirts, I got copies of my book, I got the uh, title bout championship game, I also have some other books. We're going to start giving out prizes beginning on next week's show for Super Chats. So you give us a Super Chat, and um, on each segment of the show, the person that gives us the highest Super, highest super Chat will win the prize. So in other words, I'm going to uh, bid, I'm going to have bidding. I'll say today's uh, Super Chat is a T-shirt, and I'll hold up the T-shirt, and we'll do a segment. Whoever gives us the highest Super Chat will win that T-shirt, my book, other books. We're even going to throw in a free pizza at Sal's. Oh, I should have mentioned that to Sal, but we're going to do that too. So we're going to have all of this for Super Chats beginning next week. So uh, uh, start saving your pennies, but uh, uh, we will keep you posted on that. I got some emails. This first one's from Jesse. He says, uh, my picks are Rios over Soto in a sloppy fight may be boring. Well, this fight certainly wasn't boring. And um, Rios, I would have thought, would have won too, but he didn't. He says, uh, I'm taking uh, Durrell. Uh, I'm sorry. He says, I'm taking Yildirim in a late TKO over Durrell. Maybe some controversy. Maybe some shenanigans. Well, I think that you would have been right, Jesse. I think Yildirim <laughs> was leaning towards winning by a late TKO stoppage, and there certainly was uh, controversy and shenanigans. So you were right there. He picked uh, Anthony Hernandez to beat Rosario in a slugfest. Uh, that, he came up short. Jamel James to stop uh, Gonzalez. He was right on that. And Joe Joyce stopping Stavern, which you were right. He says, what's your thoughts on Mikey Garcia criticizing Crawford's resume, basically saying he hasn't fought anybody, and uh, Crawford responding by saying don't quit like he did against Salido. What's your thought? My thoughts uh, is that I, I, I can't believe when people discredit Terrence Crawford's um, resume. I love Mikey Garcia. It's totally out of character for him. Maybe he's trying to set up his next fight. What's your thoughts of people that criticize Terrence Crawford's record, Sal? 
Well, you know, they, they have a right to do so. And again, it's, uh, you know, you, you look at the resume and you look at some fighters that are probably trying to instigate and get a fight with them too. And, you know, this could be that case in the classic showdown. So, so who knows? And, uh, you know, Crawford has the right to respond and, and uh, call him out on it. And uh, this is what happens in the media today. And uh, it, it could be a way to promote and have the uh, public start to think about that kind of fight and chat about it. So you never know. That would be a good fight. Well, I mean, uh, I think that uh, Terrence Crawford, when you look at his resume, I, I, for people that say he hasn't fought anybody, it, it just it burns my butt because he has. And um, it's, it's a shame. You know, I, you got to look at uh, fighters when they fight opponents and where that opponent was at that time. You know, fighters very, you know, there, there's many fighters out there that get ruined after one fight. I mean, right, Sal? Here's a guy that could be, a, a guy could be 15-0 and 0 and fight somebody and get knocked out and you never see him again. He's ruined after one fight. I mean, that's true, right? It happens all every week and it's so true. And I'll tell you what, and I'm not taking anything away from Crawford because I know you are a super chat fan of his and I, and I respect it and I respect him. And, you know, the story as it is, is fabulous. I mean, he was brought in uh, as the opponent on uh, some good fights early on, and he turned the tides and was able to surprise everybody and say, hey, I'm not that guy. I'm the other guy. And uh, sure enough, he earned his way up to the top, and he climbed it. He proved himself. Uh, but I think, you know, what could be said is with the crop of the – top fighters in that division you know whether some people have been avoiding him or like I said it's very seldom is the fighters fault of of uh, not having that pedigree line because fighters are just that fighters they'll fight whoever they need to to prove that they're the best that's a real good fighter and uh, you know I, I, I think this is more or less just some some kind of rhetoric and publicity and maybe trying to instigate a fight so, hey, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. We'll see. Um, and we got some other emails that I wanted to get to. Actually, we got several. Um, this one's from my man, Coach. He says, hey, Billy C., not to beat the WWE thing to death, but once again, boxing just can't shake the path of least resistance. This time it comes on Showtime on the undercard at DeGal versus Chris Eubank Jr. with the undefeated Joe Joyce facing the badly faded Deontay Wilder Domino, Bermain, beware of carbs, Stavern. Stavern, after this 265-pound farce with, uh, against Deontay, uh, tipped the scales at 273 pounds. I know you know it, but hating to have to say that this is more one way to fix a fight. The question will be, uh, is the question will be the UK's real boxing fans, will they get fooled again? Um, that's a, uh, a a good way to ask it, you know, Sal, because we've been kind of talking about that in a roundabout way all day today, you know, about Joe Joyce. Yes, he beat Bermain Stavern, but Stavern just looked like literally a heavy bag, maybe an overweight heavy bag, um, didn't have any defense, did land a few shots on the kid, uh, but I don't know if that really shows us anything about Joyce other than I would like to see him fine-tune his skills a little better. Uh, I don't think that he should be in the mix 
fighting a top contender at this point, I, I think it could ruin his career. Well, and that's the whole thing, you know. Sometimes you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't fight top contenders, you're like, oh, well, he's not never fought anybody. Look at his resume. If you do fight top contenders and you come up on the short end, well, you know, you have your whole career redirected or stopped or or, or just uh, stalled. Uh, so it is really something that, you know, a camp's got to talk with the fighter and the trainer, and they've got to see exactly what's the roadmap we want to lay out. What's our goal? What do we want to do here? for this year ahead and it could be you know do we get a title shot now or later or whatever we want to do um like i said that's all part of the uh no no pun intended the war room discussion and uh it's 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 pretty neat pretty neat to see and uh you know and these things are thought about and talked about and uh, I, I remember sitting down richie giacchetti and uh you know we were talking about mapping out some things and then what he wanted to see and and I was all on board. I said, Richie, I think it's a great plan. We'll try that. We'll do that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it never came to fruition. But, uh, you know, we we were both on the same page. And I think that that doesn't happen as often as, as it should between a fighter, manager, trainer. And, uh, you know, try to get, get on the same page and map out a strategy and a plan of where you want to be for next year. Um, another email well it wasn't an email I, this was actually a voicemail i got from my man augie from riverhead augie's been a long time listener he used to call in uh on the show and he called me and uh, uh I, there's a lot of uh, people that that give me a call and we talk boxing um but um augie uh, left me a voicemail i didn't get a chance to call him back but i told him i would talk about uh what he talked to me about uh, on the voicemail, Augie called me and wanted me to give me give him my thoughts on Max Kellerman's new show uh, on one of the ESPN networks. Uh, he said, and Augie thought that uh, Max uh, is not like me, m- meaning me. So he's not like you. He doesn't tell it like it is, uh, but he thought that the show was good for the sport. What do I think? Well, I, I just want to start off by saying this. Number one, I don't like to promote any other show um, only because, uh, you know, I feel that we are a professional show and I like to look at them as competition. I don't consider, um, you know, uh, basically a lot of Internet type shows or um, somebody that just uh, does something in front of the camera as com- competition to us. So, therefore, I don't like to, to promote other shows. But. In Max Kellerman's case, I like Max. I like him personally. I've met him a few times. And the truth about the truth of the matter about Max is that he knows the sport. With that said, and no, no disrespect to Max Kellerman, Max has become um, a piece of clay. Uh, and I understand why. The man makes good money. Um, he has become a broadcaster across multiple networks. Uh, he is known for boxing and then some. He does a regular sports show as well. So I totally understand why he's went out of his old-time persona of telling it like it is because Max Kellerman used to tell it like it is to be in a more refined um, corporate tell it like it is. He's basically telling it like they want him to tell it like it is. And that's what you get with Max now. I don't like that version. It isn't the truth. 
Um, it's uh, the way he does it now. So I'm not going to knock him for it because he makes uh, a living at it. But um, I, and and I do think that the more boxing we have available to us, boxing shows, boxing events, the better. I'm just concerned with misleading the young fan. I think that the young fan today um, is learning about a sport that I wish they learned the real thing. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you hit it on the hand. I mean, hey, we, uh, we, we learned at a young age how the sport worked and how it evolves and, and through uh, good, honest, black-and-white commentary and uh, our own personal research and stuff. And, and Max, I agree with you 100%. I like Max Kellerman. He's great. Um, and, yeah, you know, when you're on that level and you're making the kind of money that he's making, you know, you've got to gear in and pretty much do an outline with the, with the, with your what your networks are going to expect from you, and uh, you could be looking for the story in every fight. That's the only thing I didn't like when he was looking for, uh, <laughs> you know, the story of the fight. But again, he was doing that for for network reasons, I'm sure. And uh, you know, uh, Max is a great straight shooter on a, on the surface, and he knows boxing, he knows fighting, he knows the ins and outs of it. And, uh, you know, whether we hear it for face value or for what he needs to uh, relate across the uh, message across the, the table, uh, he does a good job. I like Max. Um, boxing today, as, as we see it, too, and you, you suggested earlier, well, actually, Alex suggested earlier, you know, we do see, like this past weekend, with all the boxing, all the fights on all the different networks, and away it's going with all these streaming services, there could be a saturation of boxing ahead for us. And, you know, it's going to be a matter of what are we going to prioritize and what are we going to want to watch, follow, and call. And, you know, is it like, is it like uh, the old uh, in-laws when uh, the, 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 uh, the original in-laws movie, when they were trying to deface or devalue the dollar by saturating it with the, the, the mint? You know, is that going to happen with boxing? I don't think it'll happen because we all know as good fans and, and people in boxing, we know the big fights that we want to watch. So there may be a time we're going to have to prioritize and say, hey, look, let's we'll look at the top two or top three or top one fight of the weekend. But, uh, you know, boxing has always evolved, taking two steps, maybe three steps back, maybe three steps forward, one step back. It's that ebb and flow. And uh, so I think, you know, we just have to wait it out and see which direction, you know, the, this whole thing is going to move. I got a couple of more emails I want to get through here. This one's from our man, Mitch. He says, Jarrell Miller, $6.5 million. We're doing something wrong, Billy C. Definitely undeserved, but at least he'll make it worth it to the fans, to the lead-up. The real main event will be all the BS he talks leading up to the fight. Also, this is making Sal's number one pound-for-pound pound wilder look even dumber as the clock ticks away on Al Heyman making a decision on that dummy's career. He better take the ESPN or zone deal. Uh, Tevin Farmer, who was in the middle of nowhere, took control of his own career. Same with Fury. Fury bought himself security. He did that. He did uh, what Tevin Farmer and Daniel Jacobs did. He controlled his own destiny. So with or without Javonta Davis, Tevin gets paid more than his value by aligning himself with the zone. Great move by him. Jacobs did the same. 
He's realistically worth seven hundred fifty thousand for a fight by leaving, but by leaving Showtime and eventually signing with the Zone, he gets fifteen million to fight Alvarez and another eight and two fights, even if he loses. Miller, even more in no win land, told PBC, as did Jacobs and Farmer and Fury, to go to you know where. They took control of their careers and the future. I swear, if Wilder botches this up, he's a fool. Triple G. Canelo all did the same. The clown is wilder. He's going to keep doing per-fight deals with Al Heyman and pseudo-promoter and whatever as the pseudo-promoter and stay in the 2 to uh, $2.3 million to $3 million range while nobodies like Jarrell Miller make double that for beating nobody or losing big to an occasional somebody. Wilder two years from now. Let me call Al. Dials Al's number and gets a message. The number you have reached is no longer in service. Please check the number and try again. Um, <laughs> he's right, man. We've talked about this a lot. Deontay Wilder has seemingly made no sense of sticking with Al Heyman. He certainly is a millionaire today, um, but uh, he has certainly left millions double-digit millions of dollars on the table. And we've talked about this so much that even losing, if it's all about the money, as the name of this business suggests, and we call it prize fighting, then Deontay Wilder, and he's certainly not seeking out the best fighters, so, I mean, you could say, well, he's not being greedy. He only wants the big fights. He's not even doing that. So it does seem that he's uh, making some pretty poor decisions. Mitch goes on to say, is this call for an emergency show? Do we have to wait? Uh, I'd like to get your take on it. Um, Sal's probably in hiding by now, hibernating, because he thinks uh, AJ seems to have frozen uh, out of the picture. Um, if Wilder fights, falls apart, he will be the one frozen out. Uh, Fury... Uh, seems to have made a smart move. My thoughts are simply that top rank and the zone will work together. So I got to lean the other way right now. Maybe Wilder will be 100% frozen out. At worst, the missing link to force Heyman to work with ESPN uh, or the zone uh, will uh, uh, be the uh, future deals. The Bob Father has struck again. Um, yeah. You know he's got some. He's got a point, Sal. Got some good um, and I agree a hundred percent about the money. I think Wilder, and even you do, Wilder's biggest fan, think that he's made uh, some mistakes. We go all the way back to the deal he left on the table against uh, Anthony Joshua. Um, but um, unlike myself, Mitch seems to think that ESPN and DAZN will work together. I don't think so. I think uh, for a while they're going to stay far apart. I don't think we're going to see any of those three guys in the ring against each other anytime soon. I, I don't see it, so. Well, we're, we're, we're hoping that uh, you're wrong on this because I think uh, the fans are seeking that and are looking for that. No, and, no doubt and, that they, they – no doubt that the fans, you and myself, and everybody wants to fight. I'm just saying that they're going to keep us out of it. That's all. Well, and, and I think you got a good, solid basis to say that. And, you know, it, it's just Thank a matter you. of these guys with their greed or their need. And, you know, we, we as uh, fans, we want to see those fights that come to fruition sooner than later. But for whatever reason, these guys want to tiptoe, tap-toe, and, and, and do the, uh, 
do the step step aside uh, game and, and not give us the best of what we want to see uh, or tease us for a while and, and let, the, let it to eventually uh, materialize uh, uh, maybe six months to a year after it should have happened. Um, finally, I got one more uh, email. This is from uh, my man Johnston. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Billy C. and Sal, first, I'm sure you've already given your thoughts on the new deal Tyson Fury signed with ESPN and Top Rank. This will obviously add further complications to the negotiating table, will put the rematch with Wilder in jeopardy, especially considering the fiery relationship between Aram and Al Heyman. Do you think Heyman will accept terms for the fight to be aired on ESPN, or could a deal for a cross-network coverage be struck? History suggests it's unlikely. I do believe the last to do it was Mayweather Pacquiao, and before that, Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson. Both were finally delivered, but years too late. Let's just hope that all the big fights in the heavyweight division don't follow that blueprint, leaving us watching over-the-hill fighters cashing in at the end of their, end of their careers when they're well, well past their sell-by date. I'm going to read it all so we can get this in, and then we'll comment. And he says, secondly, by the time you read this email, we'll probably know the result between uh, DeGal and Eubank Jr. I'm back in DeGal. Uh, you were wrong. Um, so I'll move on. He says, Eubank Jr. may well have proven me wrong and produced a career best performance, which I think he may have. Um, but the reason for my prediction was because Jr. has never had a full-time trainer during his 30 professional careers. He did this time. Uh, he says, also, I'm certain that Jr. will ignore Nate's advice during the fight at some point, which he didn't. So you were wrong, just like Johnston admitted in the chat room. So I, I'm not just beating him up. He already, he beat me to the punch, my man, uh, Johnston. He says, uh, can you and Sal please explain the importance of not only having a full-time trainer in camp, but listening to your corner's advice during a fight? He says, keep up the great work. He says, by the way, Billy C. on Jinko USA is great uh, during the week for me, my weekly gap. We appreciate it. Um, Sal, first and foremost, um, I, I do believe that um, uh, these fights will be will, will be prevented from seeing these fights because of greed. Um, the importance of fights in long term making the most money really is to make the most money and fight the least amount of times. That seems to be what Deontay Wilder is not doing. He's putting his own safety and career in jeopardy by taking lesser fights for less money, trying to build up value and demand for a fight that would give him a lot of money. I just think that if he would have signed a three-fight deal that we've talked about many, many times before, financially he would be set and get to pick and choose whatever the hell he wants. My thought is that, and then finally my thought on the, the trainer, yes, I think every fighter needs a full-time trainer, and they have to have a relationship as such. So when a trainer tells a fighter something, the fighter has to listen. If you have a trainer and all you think he's doing is giving you water in between rounds, then you got the wrong trainer. What's your thoughts on both issues, Sal? Well, you know, you know my thoughts. I think a good trainer, solid trainer, a trainer you could trust, I mean, that's – a trainer, a good trainer that you believe in, that you have confidence in, it's a reciprocal relationship and you, you feed off each other, you understand each other, you're, you're in sync. And, uh, you know, a, a good trainer knows about his fighter, uh, you know, could push him, knows, knows what he could do. And, uh, you know, there's so much that a trainer could observe during the course of a fight 
that maybe the fighter who's involved in a fight, you know, he may not see as easily uh, opportunities being missed because he's he's up in a fight. And uh, but a trainer could observe and see, hey, guess what? Every time you throw this, you're dropping that. He's countering. Or look at this and lead off with that, or do a, do a feint over here, and then bam, slam him with that counter. You know, so so it's so valuable. And and like I said. With the trainer-fighter relationship is also you have a confidant. You have somebody you trust. You have somebody that, that, that you can share things with. And it's a unique relationship. It really is. And that's why when you see a good relationship, it does work to the fighter's benefit. Um, I, uh, I, can't, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, also, these fighters that change their trainer uh, when when a fight doesn't go well, it always reminds me of the old. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. When we get in the ring, we're gonna do this. And then the fighter loses. And it's like, well, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. You know, we 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 until you lose. Then it's he he he. But uh, anyway, we had a busy show today. Don't forget, next week I got a bunch of stuff that I want to start giving away. And uh, basically, we're gonna give it away to the highest bidder. So are we really giving it away? Hmm. I guess we're selling it, but uh, but the truth of the matter is, is we want you to watch us live. So make sure you tune in. You can catch us on the Billy C Boxing uh, Network or or our YouTube channel, and uh, we can in the YouTube chat room. There's a spot where you can give a super chat. So I'll hold up the item that we're giving away. You give the biggest super chat, and poof, you'll be a winner. That starts next week. Uh, so uh, make sure you uh, tune in for that. We got some other great fights that we'll be talking about next week. Uh, so we'll have another busy, busy show. So uh, until then, I just want to leave you with this. Make sure you tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da <laughs> <laughs>